0: About this, our brains change. Memory isn't amazing. What factor. you think is in our there brains aren't really, finished. They're not fully
1: cooked
0: yet. R- o- you go with your heart, you, you don't have any idea why yeah,
1: we're doing so most
0: smart in the things now. that we're doing. But here's the deal maybe revenge is a dish best served cold because once it's cold, it's less appetizing. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, Revenge Fantasies.
1: Revenge fantasy is sort of a little bit of human creativity, right? Because we imagine finding some way to achieve retribution (laughs) without actually getting in trouble. There is the phrase revenge is a dish best served
0: cold. But whoever said that wasn't really angry with the person. Because the moments when you most want revenge from someone, those are what are called hot states. Those are states that are deeply emotionally driven. And those are not moments in which one wants to be cold and calculating. (laughs) Those are moments in which one wants pain, physical pain on the part of the object of the revenge. And so the whole concept of revenge is an interesting one, that we often feel like when some wrong is done, that we have to do a wrong that is at least in the equal and opposite direction. Before
1: the scales will balance. Yeah. The unfortunate thing about this in many cases is that need often diverts attention from many positive paths that could be taken because there's this deep-seated need for retribution. I mean, there has to be some evolutionary basis. We're a social species, and social groups don't function well if people don't play by some agreed-upon rules of cooperation. And it's understandable in many ways that there is genuinely a felt need That varies among individuals, of course, but nevertheless, a felt need that if somebody commits a wrong, there's a need to respond in some way.
0: A lot of times people will say, well, why don't we all just get along? Why don't we all just act virtuously? And it turns out that pure virtuous action on the part of every member of a species is not an evolutionarily stable strategy. If everyone acts that way, there's no real good way of taking advantage of them in a way that would reduce that person's fitness. So, for example, you might say, gosh, why don't we all tell the truth all the time? why was our species set up in a way where there's deception? Truth telling (laughs) is not an evolutionarily stable strategy if everyone does it all the time, because then the liar has an advantage over everybody else. They can take advantage and then get resources. And so having a certain amount of lying in the midst of truth telling is actually more stable. Why don't we just all act nicely to everybody and not have this desire for punishment at all? And the answer is because if we did that, then there'd be people who would be able to take advantage of us too easily. And so the potential threat of punishment is often enough to, as my dad always used to say, to keep the honest people honest. It's not even that you have to punish people, it's the thought that they might get punished for it that is often enough to keep at least most people in line. It wouldn't be useful to have only idle threats of punishment, which means every once in a while someone actually has to take revenge on somebody in order for people to know that most of the time you just have to threaten it in order to get reasonably good behavior out of people. Mm-hmm. The
1: one of The things that brought this topic up was the notion of how often revenge is played out in film and other kind of dramatic arts where that seems to be one of the primary features of what's going on. He lost his daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a certain pleasure that comes from seeing individuals who have wronged someone get their comeuppance. Because it's not just the intensity of the felt need to punish and to get retribution, but it's also the joy that comes (laughs) when that revenge is delivered.
0: In the moment. The fascinating thing about the revenge fantasy is it has all of the joys of actual revenge without the (laughs) drawbacks. Real revenge is actually a mess. I mean, unless you hold all the cards, right? It's easy to engage in revenge if you are all-powerful. But otherwise, actually, revenge is a hard strategy to pursue. And so you want that cathartic release of energy that says, I gotcha. But in fact, real revenge is messy. It tears at social fabric and it, it creates a mess of relationships. I mean, we all know people who have gone through ugly divorces, for example, where the partners may have wronged each other, one may have done something egregious to the other, and then lawyers get involved and it gets ugly. By the end of that process, I don't think anyone feels particularly good about whatever revenge they extracted because the reality of it is much uglier. Revenge fantasies are like football highlights. When you watch a football game, it takes three hours and 15 minutes to watch two good plays and jump around for 30 seconds. But if you watch the highlights on TV later, you get to see just those plays. Mm -hmm. And the revenge fantasy on, you know, if you're watching a movie, you get all the joy packed into a very short period of time without the court visits.
1: I think we should acknowledge that when this has been evaluated empirically, we know that there are individual differences, sometimes quite large, in the extent to which people take pleasure from punishment. It is interesting in terms of needing, in any group people to be vigilant about people keeping up their end of the bargain, whatever the bargain involves as being a member of the group. But the idea about the pleasure that comes from that, one might come across people who say, you know, I don't take any pleasure in that at all. The intensity of this trait is not universal across individuals in the species. We have to learn a certain
0: amount of how we should react to different kinds of situations. And so there's clearly some situations in which punishment is warranted, or at least having the threat of punishment is valuable. But I also think that strategies like this can be easy to overuse. Use. There are clearly people out there who are lawsuit happy, who could probably have resolved disputes in many other ways, but they immediately jump to filing a lawsuit. Our choice to punish someone, our choice to exact revenge on someone, that is partly a choice. I think most people
1: people would agree that the people whose lives are the most stable emotionally, that is people have a sense of locus of control and they feel like they're not just bouncing among the vicissitudes of life that are thrown at them, but those people recognize the options that they have in any given circumstance. And one of the things that's in in many ways more powerful for an individual and provides more options is at that moment, having alternatives to immediate action that allow you to step back and reflect a little bit and think about what options there are and as importantly what the potential consequences are of any of those options in the long term and now you're involved in choice making rather than just reacting you know revenge fantasies that might be one option you know to imagine somebody being impaled somewhere or whatever but then allowing yourself to imagine that knowing that's just something you're going to imagine and then you're going to be nice to that person the next time you see him in the hallway.
0: Next time, we'll talk about sunk cost with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show or any of our archive shows at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our engineers are David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford. I'm Jack Anderson, in for Rebecca McEnroy, and I co-produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.